Welcome to the McKay Community Podcast. With the McKay Community Podcast, we have two goals, to tell McKay stories and to promote good news from the neighborhood. I'm Reen Rasabala, McKay graduate and neighbor, and my wife Hannah and I have a vision that all people in the McKay community would thrive. And in reality, this podcast is an exploration of what that exactly means. What makes the McKay community unique? What are our strengths? What are our challenges? And knowing these, how can we grow together as a community? We hope to discuss all this and more as we explore what makes the McKay community truly a special place. This is our very first podcast. This is episode one with Caleb Herring. Yep. Caleb is the senior pastor of First Free Methodist Church. Yeah, you can call me Caleb though. You can call him Caleb. You don't have to call me pastor. Uh, neighbor in the McKay neighborhood. You yep. and your family live in the McKay neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And um, also former McKay area lightning rod for Salem Leadership Foundation. And yep. I figure we can go more into what right. all that means mm-hmm. a little bit later. But um, I'm really excited about this podcast because, well, not the podcast, but this episode specifically. And I'm glad that you're the first one because... Yeah. We know each other pretty well. I mean, yeah. we've known each other for a long time now. I was on Facebook trying to see how long have we been friends. Uh-huh. It said 2017, but we've been friends for a lot longer than yeah. that. At well, least since... I think you're uh, either about to graduate high school or you already have when we interned together. Yeah. When we did the little soccer camp in yeah. the church. And that was summer of 2012. Was it? So we've known each other at least that long. We're going yeah. almost 10 years nice. of our friendship. And maybe we should have an anniversary, you know, like get together, <laughs> go spend some weekends. <laughs> Maybe just um, <laughs> coffee at oh, okay. uh, McKay Commons. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited because, first of all, we know each other pretty well, and so it makes it easier to interview you. Mm-hmm. But secondly, I feel like you have a, a unique understanding of the McKay community, especially because of your work with mm-hmm. the Sam Leadership Foundation. I've always felt like McKay... Or, mm-hmm. well, lightning rods just have such a pulse on what's going on yeah. in so many different facets of the community. And uh, obviously not an expert on everything, but um, I think, you know, maybe deeper than mm-hmm. than others. And then also your role as a pastor mm-hmm. um, and the unique things that, that you right. see in that way. So I'm excited. And yeah. thanks for agreeing to be interviewed. Oh, you bet, man. It was an honor. Yeah. It was fun. Cool. Well, um, so you're not originally from Oregon, um, but what brought you to Salem and the McKay community specifically? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a friend that was uh, living in Salem, Oregon, that was telling me how great Oregon was, and the school he was at was amazing, and they had this professional amateur soccer team called the Cascade Surge at the time, and I kind of dismissed it. Uh, because I was already playing on a soccer team in, in South Dakota for a school. Um, not really interested in moving because of, you know, my friends and connections there. But there just something, something happened over, you know, the course of my sophomore year in college where I knew my life needed to change. Um, I was hanging around with really good people, but we didn't always make the best choices. Mm. Uh, and then and when you're in South Dakota and living in a town of, you know, just a couple thousand people, there's only so much to do that's mm-hmm. fun and legal, I guess, in our, <laughs> in our context. So I knew what 
I felt was right and what I needed, like what was the good, right, or just to be a good person. And I, and no, no hard feelings toward, towards my friends there, but I just felt like God wanted me um, to move on so that I can grow in my faith or just as a person mm-hmm. um, the way that I knew was right. So I just kind of took it on a chance, say, hey, tell me about this school you're going to. <laughs> Uh, he told me about it, and you know, God was good because he he also had a girl that I liked uh, that also lived in Oregon that nice. was part of the school I was going to oh. in South Dakota. So I was kind of chasing a few things, running away from one thing, chasing a few things here to Oregon. Um, and I'm originally from Texas, so uh, what I liked about my parents was they kind of just said, you know what, don't let anything hold you back. Just mm-hmm. kind of go. We'll support you. And I mm-hmm. really have amazing, an amazing family who was there behind me just saying, hey, yeah, well, if that's what you want to do, we'll help you get there. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I moved to Salem 2008. Um, and I've, yeah, Oregon's been amazing. I love Oregon. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. So let me get this straight. So Corbin was where yeah, you ended went to up going to school. And so was Christine in South Dakota and then was moving no. to Or was it a different girl? Or? Yeah, it was a different girl. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought this was like yeah, yeah. Christine's Should story. Should I finish the story? Yeah. It's like, oh. So I didn't marry this girl that I came to Oregon for. She was amazing, but it just didn't work out. And that, that happens. Not yeah. everybody, you know, um, marries the first girl they, yeah. you know, chase across the country. Uh, but yeah, I went to Corbin, graduated from Corbin, met Christine, my wife there, uh, one of the terms. And we started dating for about a year, year and a half and got married when I graduated uh, we married that summer, and then we kind of just stuck around Salem because that's when I had more ties mm-hmm. in Oregon and Salem than I did at home in Texas. Yeah, and um, you know, I love the mountains and the ocean and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I love Texas. I'm a proud Texan, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's it's hot. Yeah, it was hot in Texas, <laughs> and I don't miss that part. Uh, so I- I'm thankful to be here. Yeah. You know, one thing that's interesting, I've always thought that because we don't have a major university like Oregon State or U of O here in Salem, that a lot of times the our best and brightest are often leaving uh, Salem oh, yeah. to to go, you know, get an education, which, you know, good for them. Um, but not many of them are coming back, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm thankful that we have places like Corbin or Willamette mm-hmm. or Western uh, and Jamaica as well, that um, people can come to Salem uh, to go to those schools and then end up sticking around. Right. I love when people graduate and then live where Salem is, because that's what I did. Um, but I know a lot of people, when they grow up in their hometown, they kind of want to leave hometown. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, but I always am really thankful for those that kind of know the place, grow up here, and then stay here, because... I think it's just nice to have people who've got roots. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely a change. Like, uh, I don't know. It's uh, a lot easier to like travel across the nation or across the world now than maybe, I don't know, a hundred or 200 years ago. So yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, I know your story basically starting with, you know, SLF, uh, which when we interned together, which is like 2012, but you said you graduated in 2008 from Corbin. Mm -hmm. So what, what did, between 2008 and 2012, what was kind of life like? I was hustling. 
You were hustling? <laughs> <laughs> I think I had five jobs. Oh, yeah, you told yeah, me that. Uh, you know, just trying to make ends meet. We were living in a duplex, and I think, you know, Christine had a job, and then once she, once we got pregnant, uh, we kind of just made a few changes, you know, moved to another just a place that's more affordable so that she can stay home with the kids because we wanted to do that. Um, and then kind of over time, uh, I, it went down from five jobs to four jobs, then to three, then to two. And that's kind of been um, mainly with the church and with SLF that I was employed mostly, uh, you know, kind of half time, half time, which was awesome because, you know, I don't have to fill out five timesheets. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty focused on what I'm doing. Uh, and, and what's great about the church and SLF, like that kind of work helped me. They're very flexible. They saw some of the work I was doing already. That's, mm-hmm. Oh, that's valuable to the church or that's valuable to the community. We'll help support that and kind of, you know, keep developing you. And uh, so that that was also kind of cool to be able to be a part of. Yeah. So we, we've talked about already, but um, Salem Leadership Foundation, mm-hmm. what is Salem Leadership Foundation? And then what does it mean that you were the McKay area lightning rod? Yeah. Well, it took me a long time to get to that place of McKay area lightning rod. Oh, okay. Because like, it was a good, you know, the person before me, Carrie Mayhew, who's like the Saint McKay, McKay Saint. I mm-hmm. mean, that's what we should call her. She's yeah. an angel. Actually, there's people in the neighborhood that see her as an angel. And mm-hmm. I think that's a great, great uh, uh, term for her. And I can share more later. But she helped grow me up in that position and develop me as a leader. Uh, lightning rod pretty much just disperse, you know, collects energy and disperses it mm-hmm. uh, in the community. For SLF, that means, you know, trying to do things with people of faith and people of goodwill to make Salem the healthiest community in Oregon and neighborhood by neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So McKay is that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started out as just an intern, then a neighborhood connector. Then McKay, I don't know, maybe I went to McKay Lightning Rod, but, you know, kind of worked my way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I've always thought of light, lightning rods, you know, because <clears throat> ideally, you know, might not be there quite right now, but, but one lightning rod in each high school feeder area and eventually one uh, lightning rod in each middle school right. feeder area, hopefully. Um, I've always thought of you know, just that they have such a great pulse on their area because they basically go to all of the community meetings that are happening. They're, they're like, I feel like a vast wealth of information and do a lot of connecting because they go to all of those. So, um, sometimes there might be silos of, of people and information, but the lightning rods are at both those meetings. And so they're able to build that bridge. Right. And then, so and then Salem Leadership Foundation, you kind of alluded to it, but is basically a Christian nonprofit created to, what you said, connect people of faith and people of goodwill. Right, yeah. Uh, and that's been really pivotal for me for, mm-hmm. you know, even that internship that I did right after my senior year of, of high school. And that was with you. And uh, that helped, like, basically I... I I chose like what I wanted to do as a career path from mm-hmm. like that experience cool. and yeah. my experience with the chamber with the leadership youth program. I just asked Carrie Mayhew, I asked right. Carrie, and I asked um, Sam Skillern. I think at the at the oh no 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 I asked Kathy 
more oh, at yeah. the, the Chamber Inspire Foundation now. What can I do? Right, right. Um, or what can I go study if I want to do the type of work that you guys do? Mm-hmm. And both of them said, why don't you come intern for us this summer? Right, so yeah. I did that. I got a job for you. Went to school. Yeah, but yeah that's cool. <laughs> so what was some of the um, work that you got to do as uh, a lightning rod? Well, you mentioned a bunch of, you know, kind of get connected in all sorts of different things. We would, we'd have 10 different tasks as lightning rods to try to connect with, you know, you want to be a part of your neighborhood association in some way, uh, be connected with, uh, the partnership team in your community. Um, you know, be involved in one of the schools, you know, kind of, I guess, try to get to know the schools in your neighborhood, the Mm -hmm. people that are, uh, working there or supporting, get to know all the churches in your neighborhood, you know, actually be involved in Young Life in some way or help mm-hmm. support or, or advocate. I um, can't remember. I don't know if I'm missing. I'm sure I'm missing a few. Uh, but some of the ones I like the most, I think the ones that started from scratch or kind of were at the very beginning and kind of helping them develop, mm-hmm. like the Brown Road Garden, there, there was this huge um, just empty lot of grass with this sign that said future side of the neighborhood park mm-hmm. and it had mildew on it so mm-hmm. that's that sign had been there for probably 10 20 years yeah but there was this neighbor who walked by with their kids wanting a place for their kids to play and having this imagination what could we do here so he just shows up to a neighborhood association a one in my neighborhood and starts asking questions and wanting to be involved and so my job was to help this neighbor kind of realize these dreams for the neighborhood because anything for families and community in the neighborhood that's led by neighbors is most likely going to be something that's sustainable and healthy and good. But they, I mean, not always do neighbors have all the resources and means to put something in a park. So I got to help him. What they came out of it was doing a community garden. So I helped, I think that was one of my favorite things is just gathering all these different organizations and communities to build community a community garden there was a like a, a build day we had all the all the lumber all the dirt mm-hmm. all the bark dust and i don't know maybe 30 or 40 you know volunteers from marion Pope food chair the city of salem scott elementary you know the neighborhood association and we're all kind of trying to do something together that was and that that was a lot of fun and then the next four or five years, I was helping kind of develop and help, you know, sustain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's a, I think a good example of, of probably a lot of the work that you got to do, mm-hmm. but that's one particular story. And I know you love soccer. I always joke cause I always, um, see you wearing your Sambas. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, there's Caleb in his Sambas. Well, you know, Sam Skillern, he's, he was the boss at SLF. He had the vest and that was oh, his yeah. icon. <laughs> And I was thinking, I need an icon, a Nick figure. And so I was like, I'm just going to do soccer, Samba, flats. That's going to be my thing. Nice. Except for Sundays. Except for Sundays. I have Sunday preaching shoes. Nice. Yeah. So if anybody wants to know what they look like, you can come on Sunday and find out. There you go. (laughs) Um, So, but soccer is, you know, a passion of your life. And you got to um, do, you know, combine your passion for soccer and your work as a McKay Area Lightning Rod. What, What did that look like? Yeah, so... I mean, soccer to me is a universal language. And if you want to get to know your neighbor, you know, for me, playing soccer with them, I can break down walls super Mm -hmm. fast. Um, But one of the things that we got, I mean, I was able to be part of was 
an after-school program with soccer where we helped kids grab it. I guess like call their school also like their team. So kids in school that were struggling with going to attending and even being recruited into gangs, we helped give them a place at the school by putting them on a soccer team. Mm. So now they don't, they play for Auburn Elementary or Scott Elementary. Um, kind of give them a little more pride in their school and wanting to show up. And I got to be part of, you know, that whole kind of building teams to help kids um, have pride in their school and show up and keep them accountable with, you know, doing their schoolwork, teaching them character traits. Um, and that, that was a lot of fun. We had tournaments and, you know, seeing parents out there because I grew up with my parents being out there cheering me on and um, you know having the team culture that was a lot of fun to share with Mm -hmm. a bunch of kids that for the most part wouldn't be able to have that because this was a free program you didn't need transportation you just needed to go to school Mm -hmm. because we had it right after school and usually kids just walk home or you know just like normal get picked up so that was that was a big bright spot, and did I mean we did a bunch of soccer camps too, and I love doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Something <clears throat> you talked about how it's easy to break down break down barriers or walls mm-hmm. um, playing soccer, and I was thinking about um, you know the McKay community is primarily a Hispanic community, um, large Mexican demographic, mm-hmm. as um, like a I don't know as like a white dude, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, what was it like? I mean, did you find that there were like cultural barriers within your work and what, I don't know, what did that look like? Um, relating either like successes in relating culturally or struggles relating mm-hmm. culturally with, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not just the Hispanic community, but right. Yeah. Diverse community here in Northeast Salem. Um, with, so with soccer or with the work in general? Uh, both maybe. Okay. Yeah. I think what's good about soccer is when you're good at soccer, people tend to listen to you <laughs> on the soccer field. <laughs> so I'm not bragging, but I can beat a fifth grader in soccer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, playing college soccer and then above above that, you kind of, it was nice to be able to, I guess, have some, I don't know, I want to say authority, mm-hmm. but people would want to, you know, listen to you or take your direction or want to play with you and, and kind of talk about stuff because mm-hmm. on the field, you know, you knew, you, you knew how to play the game. You loved it just as much as they did and you could relate that way. Um, so that, that kind of gave me an in there. And, and I'm, I remember I was playing soccer with just a group of guys at, on a, on a, on a, at a field and not always do I know who I play with when mm-hmm. it's just pickup games. And I remember just passing a ball to this one guy who don't, doesn't normally get the ball passed to him because he was not that good. Mm-hmm. Like when, when there's someone not good on your team, usually, you know, the objective is make sure he doesn't get it because he's going <laughs> to lose it and it's not going to be good. But I like playing with everybody and, you know, just, but I passed him the ball, like gave him almost like a silver platter, like, hey, take the, you know, all you got to do is kick it straight and you're going to score a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I did that, he we became friends. Like, hmm. he's like, dude, no one does that. Or, Oh my gosh, man, that was the best pass. I can't believe, you know, it was just, for him, it was huge. For me, it wasn't like, you know, it just surprised me, but we started hanging out, started having friends, 
now he's, you know, a couple of years, many years later, he's, he loves, he's continued with soccer. I helped mm. get him a coaching gig. Um, you know, we did some things together and he's like a JV coach for a high school and, and I think Silverton. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I guess like having relationships because of that, I mean, and he was from a different, he was a different color. Um, definitely not much of a background in soccer, but you know, we were able to relate on the soccer field or, you know, have a moment. Yeah. That's Um, cool. Yeah. That's really cool. But I think in the community, because there's so much diversity, um, yeah, I know it's hard because not everybody shows up to the table. Mm. So what was nice about being at the SLF table was you were kind of commissioned to go to where people were, like go into the neighborhood, go into the schools, you know, try to hear the voices of the people that, you know, represent the whole community. Um, yeah, definitely culturally, uh, I've learned a lot of lessons around, you know, you know, what I think is the right way of doing things. Um, it just takes, that's why I think, you know, Jesus said, they're going to know the world's going to know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Um, the love you have for one another, for people who don't look like you or don't have the same idea of how things should be like that's the that's the hardest thing to do Mm. i mean i mean being married for 10 years you know to someone that's hard but you know you choose to love them now think of that with someone you're not you know committed to that's Mm -hmm. just some neighbor out there and wanting to love them well it takes a lot of takes a lot of work so and i'm not saying like because they're hard to love i'm hard to love yeah i'm uh, I've got my own things yeah. to deal with, but I think yeah, it yeah you have to work harder at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like different cultures. I was I grew up in middle class suburbia, white you know, uh, uh, I guess environment, and then when I left high school and moved to the different colleges and into the neighborhood, everything was so different, and I loved it. I was mm-hmm. like, man, this is so cool. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to learn from other cultures. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the strengths of this community, which can also bring some challenges, but the diversity, I mean, there's such rich culture here in Northeast Salem, um, that I think is awesome. Not just Mexican culture, but, Mm -hmm. uh, Russian culture or Islander culture, or I love, um, going to McKay, uh, and, I felt like I got to understand people who look different than me or mm-hmm. from a different culture. Um, I felt like I had a greater understanding of just people different from me than, than maybe others who didn't have the same experiences as me. And right. I think it's definitely something to, that we can celebrate. Right. Northeast Salem. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess, the, you know, I read there's 26 different languages spoken at McKay. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then seeing all those people come together in the school, mm-hmm. you know, being a pastor of a church, that's my dream. Like, could we have 26 different languages mm-hmm. in the church? That would be sweet. Yeah, cool. Well, that's a good segue. Um, you were McKay Area Lightning Rod for, well, I guess you worked there and the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went full-time at, at, with SLF for four or so years. Okay. Yeah. And then just recently became the senior pastor of, of First mm-hmm. Free. So when did that happen? 
what's kind of that transition looked like? Yeah. Um, I think because I, I remember s- sitting down with uh, the our superintendent with our denomination because all through the while, while I was working at the church in SLF, I was also feeling a calling from God, you know, in ministry. And so I, I went through our ordination track with the free Methodist denomination for what it's worth, you mm-hmm. know, people listening. Um, and after I got ordained, I remember sitting in the subway with the superintendent who just wanted to take me out for lunch. Uh, and he just presented this idea, you know, what would it look like for you to be full-time associate pastor? Cause at the time I was an SLF lightning rod. And I said, Oh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. And then he just kept saying all these words that started speaking into my heart, things I've been thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that really got me to start asking questions, you know, is this where I should go? And, you know, just kind of trusting God, that was the place um, to transition. And it was definitely pretty hard and unusual territory to go into. Um, But I was thankful for SLF that I, you know, it wasn't like I was going into something I've never done before. A lot of the work I did with SLF was in, you know, I guess relationship to what the church was doing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just doing it full time means a little bit different kind of focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what does it look like? Um, you know, I, I feel like, especially because the church is, I mean, it's right there on on Silverton Road in some ways, you know, the, the heart of the McKay community. So you're Ooh, still I like that. The hut, the, the, yeah, the, hot. the, hot. <laughs> the heart of the, the heart church. Heart church. <laughs> uh, um, but the church is in the McKay community. And so I feel like, you know, you're still able to serve the McKay community. In some ways your work mm-hmm. has probably changed a little bit, but in some ways probably hasn't changed that much. It's maybe how you do it. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like you're still, you know, in what ways are you still right. able to serve the mm-hmm. McKay community? Yeah, the, we're still providing, you know, as best we can after school support for kids in the neighborhood. We've done that for 15 years. Mm-hmm. We're still, you know, serving with Family Promise, which is a nonprofit that supports families that are unsheltered. Um, we're still doing other things, you know, in the community to kind of be part of supporting what's going on. I think. So some of that's changed. Maybe the, the vision and, and the direction of the church is kind of changing. Um, you know, we want we want there to be a future church. Um, so, you know, we've got to be thinking outside of just who's in the building now so that there's a church future. Um, and I think, I hope that's kind of, I feel like God's given, you know, I have that, I don't know, experience or passion about, you know, being a good neighbor, uh, working with people who are different than us as kind of like something that gets me excited. Mm-hmm. That's kind of some of the things as a church we're trying to do as well. That might be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, everything's so much different than it, I mean, as it should be than it has been. Because um, of COVID. Because of COVID. And I mean, yeah, if we're honest, 95% of the church in America is plateauing and declining. That doesn't exclude our church. So I really don't 
want what I believe the best message in the world to not reach, you know, people who could use hope and purpose and life. Mm -hmm. And what is that message for people listening who maybe, you know, uh, aren't familiar with church? I mean, uh, church folks, they talk about the gospel all the time. What does even the gospel (laughs) mean? Uh, The word. But what yeah. what is the gospel in yeah. like a you know like a one minute right right yeah uh, well I was downtown doing gospel guy um, this gospel guy ministry which is pretty much sharing the gospel with people but I learned this like people who do believe and people who don't believe or people who walked away from God or people who haven't showed up to church in a long time or whatever like a, for a lot of people the gospel is still pretty confusing. Hmm. Um, it just means good news. But I remember, you know, I, I'd be on the corner, and this is this is me trying to be a good pastor, trying to learn how to talk to people about faith because I was new to being a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would stop people and, and just say, hey, would you have a minute to talk? And I'm on the corner of, um, you know, right by Ritter's, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know what corner that is downtown, but we just stop people and say, hey, do you have a minute for a conversation? And... Over time, when people would say, oh, I'm a Christian, no big deal. Um, you know, I already know about Jesus. I already know about, you know, the Bible. And I was like, oh, okay, good. Go ahead. You know, you've, you've, you pass, go. You know, I was like, give him a pass. I'm like, uh-huh. but then I learned, no, like, I, actually, I, in the Bible, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of scriptures talks about, you know, false gospels. You mm. know, people believe in things that aren't true. Um, so I started asking even people who say they're Christian, it's like, hey, um, can I ask you the million dollar question? And when I asked him that, it was interesting. They'd they'd get it right maybe seventy percent, or they'd get it right thirty percent of the time. Um, so for me as a pastor with a you know maybe a hundred people in my building, in the building on a Sunday, thirty percent would kind of really know what the gospel's about. It's mm-hmm. kind of scary. Yeah. But I would just ask him, you know, if you were to die today. And you're in the in heaven, and you're at the gate, and Jesus was there. Why would you? What what reason would you give him to let you in? And it's kind of one of those prompting, kind of abrasive questions. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't what I would encourage people to do, like all the time. But perhaps you know, mm-hmm. it just comes up, um, and it takes a lot of courage to not just. I was nervous asking those questions because it's pretty abrasive. But people were really open to asking. Hmm. Um, a lot of times I'd get the answer, well, you know, if I'm a good person, you know, if I if I don't cheat or lie, if I go to church, if I read my Bible, a lot of works-based kinds of answers. But, I mean, really, that's not the gospel. Um, the good news is that you don't have to do a thing. You just have to believe. Like, if mm-hmm. you believe in the Son of God, you know, that is all you need. Um it's Jesus who already did it all. And so kind of like having those conversations with, with people and kind of maybe just letting that be something that continues a conversation about, you know, so what do you think about that? Or, um, you know, it usually lifts people's shoulders up. It's like, oh, I don't have to be perfect. Mm. I don't have to always, you know, get it right. Um, and so, f- you know, for people, you know, that want to know about the gospel, it's just, Man, you've got a God who has 
paved a way for you to live a life that's full and abundant and full of the, the spirit of joy, peace, hope, uh, goodness, self-control, gentleness. Um, and it, you know, it's just ready to be accepted. Um, I mean, yeah. And there's probably, you know, if you Google gospel and you get, <laughs> there's probably people that will say it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> But that's like just something that kind of comes to mind when it like about the gospel and what people think about it. It's not anything you earn. It's totally free. It's for everyone. It's for anyone. It's not exclusive. It's it's totally inclusive. Um, and I don't think you get that with other types of good news out there. Mm. Um, yeah, I have to pay for good news from the Statesman Journal. <laughs> it's like I get I subscribe to them on email, but you have to pay for. You only get three free articles a month. <laughs> it's like, ah, that news you got to pay for. Yeah. Um, but not God's good news. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. And, um, you know, getting back to um, some of the McKay community stuff, um, there's been a group that's been started called Stronger Together that I know you're a part of. Mm-hmm. What is, what's that group? What's that all about? Uh, it's so it's a group of pastors from kind of right now it's this East Salem area Northeast area that want to build relationships with each other mm-hmm. and want to um, do work in the community together I guess once George Floyd's death and his um, you know being killed in May brought out in me was this conviction that I really don't know my neighbor because I I, as I was calling Pastor Ronnie Brooks, who's an African American who pastors a church in the same building as uh, that that we're talking about at the Free Methodist Church, um, I called him and asked him, "Hey, you know, all this is going on in our country. You know, I really want to be there for you. How can I do that?" And I felt convicted because. I mean, a good neighbor would really know how to support someone, you know, maybe not to the fullest extent, but kind of be there for them. But I just was felt really blind and really um, naive, uh, arrogant, or I don't know. I just felt like, man, this is not a good, good way to be a neighbor. So after that, we just decided, hey, let's keep meeting. Let's keep talking. Let's pray together. Let's do some stuff together. And we said, let's invite other people to the table. Um, so we've done a few things together with other pastors in our neighborhood. Trying to be intentional about make, you know, getting all the voices in our community at the table. Which is hard. It's hard. I mean, we're always trying to change our meeting time. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, oh, that doesn't work anymore. But I guess that's normal, especially this year. Because, you know, what used to work, you know, last month. And my work schedule mm-hmm. has changed because of the new guidelines. And so things are changing pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, what was it, last week you invited me to go um, with the Stronger Together group, oh, yeah. I think, to yeah, yeah. pray for the chaplains at uh, Salem, Salem Health. Yeah, yeah, at Salem Health. Uh, and that was, got to see Mr. Brooks. And yeah. That was fun for me. I love him. I love Mr. Brooks. And uh, just other church pastors. So. Right. So that's cool. I think it's important. And it's cool to hear that there are things happening to build relationships, uh, 
with your neighbor, whoever mm-hmm. they might be, whether it's someone from a different culture or the same culture, but just building those relationships. Because oftentimes you think, oh man, like what what could I do? Or it doesn't seem like there's anything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like this is an example of of one way, and obviously there's many ways, but one way that that people are working to get to know each other better, right. to understand each other. Yeah. And what's nice is, I mean, we're trying to be intentional about, we can't just sit at a table and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Let's do some things with each other. Because mm-hmm. when you do some things with each other, mainly it might be a guy thing, but I, I know, I feel like I connect with people better instead of just always sitting at a table and mm-hmm. chatting. Yeah. When we're getting a little dirty with our hands or having fun together, you know, doing something. Mm-hmm. You kind of know each other a little bit more. Yeah. I learned this about Pastor Ronnie Brooks. He, you know, more people need to hang out and rub shoulders with him because he's a great man. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he is a one and done show. I, uh, because of COVID, we do all these camera and, and you know, we try to produce videos. We try mm-hmm. to pre-record some messages and I remember, you know, for a couple messages, I had to take, you know, five or six takes. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, ah, oh, it didn't work. My, my metaphor didn't work right. My illustration didn't work right. I, I, I stuttered something. It's bound to happen. Uh, but I invited Pastor Ronnie Brooks to come in and do a message for us one, one Sunday. And it was a pre-recorded message. So no one's in the room, in the sanctuary. And preaching to an empty room is kind of weird and uncomfortable. But Pastor Ronnie Brooks comes in, we talk a little bit, I press record, and he just goes, you know, like 35 minutes, and he says, amen, I press stop, and he's like, all right, that was it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, man, I had another hour and a half, you know, yeah. to do this, and he's one and done, man. This guy has a, a great heart and always full of, you know, just joy and appreciation. Um, he's always saying thank you, man. He, he always, it's just some... That's something I've learned from him is being a really thankful person and really valuing other people um, well. So Yeah. Well, he has a big heart and a big heart for this community. I mean, he mm-hmm. he just loves the students at McKay and getting yeah. to be their yeah. college and career coach. And right. um, I think he's just such a great person and a good influence to have mm-hmm. uh, at the school just because he yeah. cares so much. And he's a former, and he's also a Texan. He grew up in Texas. Oh, yeah, so that's right. come from Texas. There's nice. two of them, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, um, you told me this the other day, but I thought you could share for those who might be listening. Well, what's one area that you, you know, there's been lots of challenges over the past year, um, and you see lots of things happening, but what's one area uh, um, where you see hope in the McKay mm-hmm. community? Yeah. I'm trying to remember what I what story I shared. You shared about the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's so much hope. I, I can't know which one to choose from. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, hope. I love seeing that there's going to be lives changed um, at this, this future site of Boys and Girls Club. It's just a gravel parking lot. There's a sign that says Boys and Girls Club, you know, future site. But it kind of reminds me of the garden, you know. There's future side of the neighborhood park. Mm. It's like, man. And then all I've, I've seen the other side of it with all these, you know, I think 30 families that garden there and all the community events. I see that at Boys and Girls Club with, you know, all the free meals they're going to give out, all the community events they're going to host, all the parents that they're going to help support mm. with, you know, resources and after-school support. 
Um, I see hope there, but right now it's just a gravel parking lot. There's mm-hmm. nothing that's come out of it. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking too, man, our neighbors have a lot of hope that they like to give. Like there was hope given me by this one little seven-year-old boy that came through our our uh, food drive that we do. Mm-hmm. So once a month we deliver food to families in our neighborhood. Um, and so the team was going out there packing the cars because we deliver the food. We want to be for our neighbors. So we go to and, and not just ask them to come to us. We try mm-hmm. to go to them uh, and do that well. But as we're packing up the car, this truck comes by and they were wondering if they had extra food or, you know, they just see it happening. And, and that kind of happens in your neighborhood, in the neighborhood. People walk by <clears throat> asking for things or kind of wanting things. And we always want to be able to give something. So we look in our little room and we had some a box and some stuff. So we give him what we could. And then the boy in the back seat just rolls his window down. And he says three little words that were the promises that God gave Abraham. Mm. Like the, the guy in the Bible that you might hear, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. But he gives this promise to Abraham that has is still being fulfilled today. Um, this little boy gives it to us. I was like, man... I didn't think about it much of it first because I've heard these words before, but I don't know. I just hit in a different way recently, but he says, God bless you. And that's exactly what God says to Abraham. God bless you so you can bless the world. God bless your family so every family would be blessed. And that was just a sign of hope that I felt like was given to us from our neighbor that God is blessing us to be a blessing to our neighbors, not to keep, not to, not to hold on to, and definitely to be thankful and appreciative for, because I mean, man, there's a lot of people doing good work and mm-hmm. we're just thankful to be part of that. Um, so yeah, that, I think that was hope that I was like, man, I'm thankful God's using us because that means we're not dead yet. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're still useful. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, thanks so much, Caleb, for letting me interview you. Mm-hmm. Episode one Woo-hoo! of the podcast. Episode one. Oh, and one last thing. Um, you know, if people are interested to, to learn more about the gospel message or, you know, how can they um, get connected at First Free? Mm-hmm. We have a website, SalemFirst.com. So you, you can check out all our previous messages, you know, what we're doing. We have small groups. That's the one best way to connect with our small groups is go on there and click on that link. Um, but yeah, we have a Facebook page is where we do our, our normal, uh, live messages right now with online, hopefully to be in person soon, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Facebook, Facebook at Salem first free. Uh, you can check us out there. We do have Instagram, so you can like us there. I would appreciate a follow if anybody's interested. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Caleb. Yeah, man. There you have it, our very first episode of the McKay Community Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I noticed that as I did more and more interviews that I got better and better at interviewing and guiding conversations, so I really hope you'll stick around to hear more stories from the McKay community. But as for now, have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time.